We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. so much for tuning in to Weird Distractions Podcast. This is a weekly show where I, your host Alex, rotate discussing true crime cases, paranormal hotspots, eerie folklore tales, some urban legends, and conspiracy theories to provide you, and more than likely what author Laura Elizabeth Ingalls Wilder may have considered a weird distraction from everyday life. This week, I'm back talking all things paranormal with a haunted hotspot out of the United States. But before we dust off our travel snacks and learn about said place, I've got a small piece of housekeeping before I share what I need a distraction from. As always, if you have a need for a distraction you'd like me to read on air, whether you need a distraction from work or maybe the fact that Halloween has passed, feel free to send it my way by either DMing me on Instagram or Facebook or by sending me an email. In terms of housekeeping, just a heads up, I'm going to be featuring an episode from another Cultivate Network show for episode 187, which actually comes out next week, November 12th, uh, as I'm going to be away for a bit. I've just got a lot going on in my personal life, so I figure, you know what, let's take a little bit of a break and, you know, have you tune in to another Cultivate Network podcast. I plan to be back with a new episode for November 19th, so stay tuned. In terms of my need for distraction, I would have to say I need a distraction from the fact that Halloween is over, and I am very sad about that. I know if you stay spooky, you don't gotta get spooky, and you don't have to wait till Halloween for all the spooky things to happen, but it's just my favorite time of year, and I'm just kind of sad that it feels like it just went by so very quick. That's my need for distraction. I know it's pretty light this week. Again, if you want to share your needs for distraction, please feel free to shoot me an email, send me a DM. But without further waiting, let's get into this week's episode. There's a couple things that I've learned about the state of Wisconsin. Two things specifically. The people there love their football, and there's some pretty interesting haunted locations. Which obviously brings me to this week's distraction, being the Brumder Mansion. Similar to other paranormal-based episodes, I'll get into the history, occult observations, and the report haunts of Brumder, so you can all forget whatever Janet from HR said during last Monday's meeting that seemed a little passive-aggressive. Due to potential coarse language, distressing topics, and other disturbing adult themes that could be discussed today, listener discretion is advised. Although our distraction today focuses on a physical location, I have to kick things off with a person behind the building, being George Brumder. George was born the second youngest of 16 children on May 24th of 1839. He was born in Alsace, France, which hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. I did Jolly Phonics it beforehand, but please correct me if I just completely butchered that. By 1857, at the age of 18, George ended up immigrating to the United States, specifically landing in the state of Wisconsin, after visiting there to attend his sister Anna's wedding. Some reports claim he came to the United States from Germany, but I couldn't really find the specific details around this. Initially, George called the area near Helenville, Wisconsin his home, 
but he would wander off with Anna and his new brother-in-law to Milwaukee, which would have been a hell of a trip back then, as now it's about a 46-mile drive, and I don't believe the family was booting around in any motor vehicles. Once settled in Milwaukee, George got to work. Accounts claim he would become a member of a crew that laid Milwaukee's first streetcar tracks and later became the foreman of said crew. George eventually got hitched to Henriette Brandhorst, who originally was from Prussia. The two tied the knot on July 16th of 1864 and would go on to have eight children of their own. Amalie, William, Emma, Alfred, Henrietta, George, Herman, and Herbert. At some point, the busy Brumder family invested all the money they had into owning a small bookstore. For those who are curious, this bookstore would be located at 306 West Water Street in Milwaukee. According to the Paranormal Investigations Milwaukee website, George quickly became quite popular in town when he began publishing in German. I'm assuming he picked up German when he briefly or maybe lived there for some bit after France, but again, I, I can't tell you. I'm not really sure. As years passed on alongside with his growing wealth, George Sr. decided to build his one son, George Jr., his own home in 1910 which we now know as the Brumder Mansion. Some accounts claim that this house was actually built for George Sr.'s eldest son, which would have been William, but regardless, a CBS 58 article noted that this home was one of many mansions Brumder built for his children. When the home for George Jr. was finally finished, the bill was apparently a whopping $25,000, which today that would cost around $800,000. George Jr. reportedly decorated his newly built home something fancy. With a paranormal investigation blog I came across noting, quote, George Brunder Jr. would decorate this mansion in an artsy, gothic, and Victorian style. It was as extravagant then as it is today with three floors and 8,000 square feet. This house was even built with a ballroom, end quote. Sadly, then 70-year-old George Sr. would pass away in mid-1910 before seeing the finished product he had commissioned for his son. George Jr. and his family would reside at the newly built 3046 West Wisconsin Ave home for around a decade, with one resource being the Paranormal Investigations Milwaukee website again, noting that they had moved after George Jr.'s wife, Thecla, died a decade after the family had moved in. However, weirdly enough, I came across her find a grave profile, and apparently she died way later in 1970. Fun and, well, maybe weird fact I came across, not only was George Jr. married to a Thecla, but his brother, William, also married a woman by the same name, according to the Find a Grave website. It seems like there's a lot of crossover between William Brumder and George Jr. Brumder in my research, so I'm not really sure which Brumder's son actually lived in the home and whose wife actually died. Because nonetheless, all the information's a little bit off, depending on which resource you look at. All this aside, the Brumder Mansion goes for sale, and resources I came across claim that, in 1927, two men, being Sam and Ed Pick, purchased the home. From what I've been able to kind of figure out online, 
Sam, his wife Laura, and their son Robert lived at the home together. I'm not sure where Ed lived. I don't know if maybe he just helped Sam purchase the building or what, but nonetheless, it was Sam's family that resided in the now somewhat former Brumder Mansion. I'm not sure if they briefly renamed it also as Pick Mansion, but if they did, then it definitely did not stick. Although Sam and Ed buying the beautiful Brumder Mansion is interesting information as is, there's another interesting layer associated with these two. Allegedly, the Pick brothers had ties to infamous gangster Al Capone and were reportedly known to sell and trade alcohol during Prohibition, which we know Al Capone was definitely involved in. Having said that, some believe that the Brumder Mansion basement acted as a speakeasy during this era, with the Paranormal Investigations website elaborating on this further with the following quote. The Brumder Mansion basement speakeasy was alleged to have been home to gambling and prostitution. Some say that the four young women listed as rumors living with the Pick family in the mansion may have been sex workers that worked at the speakeasy although it is a known for sure, end quote. The Pick family ended up leaving the home sometime in 1932, which then led to a series of numerous owners, including a group of lawyers, a couple who turned the home into a boarding house, and actually a church, being the Our Savior's Lutheran Church. It wasn't until 1997 when former owners Carol and Robert Hershey took over the Brumder Mansion and transformed it into a bed and breakfast which its current owners continue to run as to this day. Referred to as the Brumder Mansion Bed and Breakfast, you can book a night in such rooms such as the George Suite for just over $300 USD a night. As well, you can book your wedding, any kind of special events, classes, and club meetings at Brumder. Even though this location is open to guests to stay at the over 100-year-old home, it's believed that its former owners and perhaps guests have never really left, which must make for quite the stories of both the living and the dead. That being said, let's get into some occult observations of the Brumder Mansion. Welcome back to another segment of Occult Observations, where I read the good, the bad, and the downright weird occult observations, or reviews, of different haunted hotspots covered here on Weird Distractions. As always, I will kick us off with two negative observations before getting into two positive observations, so we're ending on a jolly good old note. In terms of negative observations, the first one comes from user Mike K. This was found on Google Reviews, and Mike K left two to five stars six years ago. The observation reads as follows. No coffee until after 8 a.m.? Cleanliness kind of lacking. Beautiful building. End of observation. Now the next one is a little bit longer. I don't think it mentions anything about coffee, but hey, maybe that was just a bad day and Mike finally got some Starbucks or something into him. But this was from user Jessica H. They left this on Yelp about 10 years ago and Jessica left one out of five stars. Jessica's observation reads as follows. We were informed by email that check-in was between 4 and 6 p.m., so we arrived at 5.45. 
After 10 minutes standing in the cold, ringing the bell, I called the main line and was told that I was late. I did not get the voicemail at 5.30 saying that they would be leaving early and I would need to call to get the door code. Bottom line is that had they stayed an extra 15 minutes, they could have shown us to our room instead of leaving us to our own to wander the dark, creepy house. The Jeneth room was just as beautiful as the pictures show, but if you want a romantic experience, you will need to bring your own candles to put in the candle holders by the hot tub. Oh, and bring your own ice and cooler to keep your beverages cold. Or you can walk down the hallway and a flight of stairs each time you want to get a beer out of the communal mini fridge on the second floor. The romance factor was also affected by the squeaky bed and creaky floor. Wonder what the people in the next room heard. Maybe they can use $180 toward the purchase of a sturdy bed and save future guests a little embarrassment. End of observation. So in other words, maybe bring your own coffee and your own candles if you uh, want a better time than what Jessica and Mike both had to experience. Let's get into some positive observations. So the first one is from user Tom P. They wrote this on Google Reviews about two months ago, and Tom left five out of five stars. The observation reads as follows. My wife and I really enjoy our first stay in this beautiful old home and the warm hospitality from the innkeepers. Enjoy the tour and fascinating background of the mansion from Tom, who thoroughly explained how everything worked. I love how the user's name is Tom, and I guess the staff's name is Tom. That's not confusing at all. Anyways, the bed was extremely comfortable and we loved how the room was decorated. The tea service, complimentary cookies, wine and beer were nice, and the breakfast outstanding. The finishing touch to such an enjoyable stay was meeting adorable house pup Ellie, who is so sweet and loves being petted and belly rubs. We'll be back for sure. End of observation. So Tom definitely had a way different experience than the other two. And not only that, but there's a house puppy. I gotta wrap this recording up and start looking at booking a room so I can meet this sweet little puppy, who's probably not a puppy anymore, but regardless, I want to see this dog. Anyways, the last observation is from user LG Indigo. They left this on Google Reviews back in 2022, and LG left 5 out of 5 stars. Their observation reads as follows. I stayed here with a few friends last night and we all thoroughly enjoyed our time here. The food is great and the place itself is very beautiful. We stayed in George's suite and experienced lots of paranormal activity throughout the night, though the ghosts seemed playful instead of threatening. A Halloween weekend overall very well spent here. End of observation. With all these occult observations covered, let's get into what we're all here for, being the alleged ghosts that roam Brumder Mansion. In looking into paranormal locations for weird distractions, I always see if there have been any deaths on site since often locations with many deaths seem to kind of get this automatic, super haunted stamp on them. When it comes to Brumder, though, I couldn't find any deaths on site, which doesn't mean that there hasn't been any, just none that I could find or verify during my research. I wouldn't be surprised if perhaps during the mansion's pick prohibition era, there was a death or two, but again, I couldn't find anything online. 
Nonetheless, some resources I came across noted that Brumder has been dubbed one of the most haunted locations in the entire state of Wisconsin. The paranormal phenomena reportedly began in the 1990s during renovations, with claims that there is a female spirit that has shown her displeasure with changes in the decor, specifically in the gold suite, and her unhappiness with animals on the premises. To explain further, here's a direct quote from the writings of Sarah Mentz. Quote, The previous owner, Mrs. Hershey, has had experiences with the woman entity in the gold suite. She stayed in the suite one night with her dog and heard a voice yelling at her dog to get off the bed. She also said that the mirror in the bathroom was lifted off of the hook and shattered in the bathtub when no one was around or staying in that room currently. When discovered, there were also droplets of fresh blood where she thought a body from the floor above could have been dripping from the ceiling, but there was no explanation. A psychic had visited the suite and reported a woman who called herself Susan said she was not a fan of the new fancy decor and no longer wanted dogs to stay in the gold suite, end quote. Now, I don't know who Susan is. I couldn't verify that in my research, but interesting. Needless to say, not a lot of renovations are probably going to happen in the gold suite if Susan is in there. Another entity that's said to occupy the Brumder mansion alongside the living is former owner George Jr. Brumder. Now, I'm not sure why people think it's George Jr. for certain. However, it could be because there seems to be a male apparition that has been blamed for causing random cold spots, phantom footsteps, and humming outside the suite named after him, being the George Suite. Shadow figures have also been reportedly witnessed near this suite. Some folks have claimed to experience random headaches while in there as well, which seem to disappear when they leave the George Suite. There seems to be a young child spirit that is seen on the third floor near what's known as Marion's Suite. Now, you might be wondering, why do people think it's a child spirit? Well, there have been reports from guests claiming that they feel as if something is jumping on their bed. And let me tell you, I still jump on my bed. I'm almost 30. I'm not a kid, but maybe I'm a kid at heart. I don't know. Maybe it's a bit of a stretch. Anyways, along with jumping on the bed, guests have reported Ramley being locked out of their rooms, which, I mean, people are dubbing this as a kid spirit. However, I know a lot of adults that would also do that too. So I'm shrugging my shoulders at this one. I don't know what to tell you all. Moving on, I'm going to get into a couple of different other paranormal reports, including a group of paranormal investigators catching an EVP of what sounded like a little girl saying, don't leave, help me. I'm not sure of the exact context, but that's still pretty spooky. Other paranormal reports at Brumdra Mansion include a woman dressed in a Victoria dress who walks up and down the stairs. As well, guests and staff will randomly hear organ music, even though no living soul is playing the organ. And apparently, one paranormal investigation team witnessed a full-body apparition of this person wearing a fedora in the basement, according to the CBS 58 website. Now, it's not clear who these spirits once were, but I think it goes without saying, these spooky encounters are pretty weird. However, it's now time to wrap up this week's distraction. 
Every home has a history, and Bremder Mansion definitely has an interesting one, even though there's not a lot of specific details around this Wisconsin location, I still think it was an interesting one to cover, given that it's been dubbed the most haunted place in Wisconsin, even though it's also the most mysterious one. Did anyone die there? What were the previous owners like? There's just a lot of questions that I know personally I have. Let me know your thoughts on today's episode over on the podcast social media accounts or, as always, feel free to shoot me an email. If you've ever been to Bremder Mansion, I definitely want to hear from you. Let me know your experiences and if they were very weird or if you came in contact with a ghost, I would definitely love to share your experiences in a future Listener Distractions episode. If you've enjoyed today's Weird Distractions episode, please consider telling your friends, family, coworkers, anyone who you think needs a distraction about the show. Doing so is one of the best ways to support this show for free. Speaking of supporting the podcast for free, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Spotify, or whatever platform you're tuning into. When it comes to any corrections that need to be made or perhaps some constructive feedback, please feel free to send me an email at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. Are you looking to rep some Weird Distractions merch? Please check out the link in today's show notes for the bonfire link. It's never a bad time to treat somebody you love or perhaps treat yourself. Although the Patreon page is currently on an indefinite hiatus, I just want to thank the previous patrons of the show. Tom, Bailey, Angela, John, Alicia, Lynn, Shadow, Courtney, Cheryl, Susan, Jennifer, and Kristen. Thank you for supporting the Patreon page. I truly appreciate every single one of you. For those on social media, Weird Distractions can be found on Instagram, Twitter, Threads, TikTok, and Facebook. Lastly, I'm always wanting to hear from you. I'm looking to hear about your weird paranormal encounters, maybe too close to home true crime cases, and other weird experiences that you're willing to share to be featured on a future Listener Distractions episode. No matter how short, how long, spooky, or just weird, send your tales my way to, again, the show's email address being weirddistractionspodcasts at outlook.com. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, if you need a distraction, I got you. Bye.